Well, I'm glad to be here with you all. If I don't know you, my name is John Gallagher, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I'm excited to start something new this morning. Um, And so uh, we'll get into it, and I'll share what it is in just a little bit. But um, a couple of months ago, I was talking with Tanya and Christina and Rachel. We all have a a Zoom call every week um, just to connect and talk about different things going on in the church and also pray for one another. And we were getting into some really uh, deep conversation about our church. And, and this can happen to me sometimes where I just get deep into my head and my thoughts. And, and we were talking about it and processing some things. And I remember asking the question, I was like, like, who are we as a church? Like, what is our identity? What is Embrace really all about? It's like, who are we going to be moving forward into this uncertain future? And I was like, yeah, we, we got to figure this out. You know, we got to figure this out. And Tanya kindly pushed back and she said, John, I think we know who we are as a church. She's like, all the things we've been doing, the decisions we've made, all the things that we're up to, like, I think they've been pretty true to who we are. And Tanya reminded me, she's like, John, we have our values. We have these values that are guiding and impacting the decisions and the direction that we were moving as a congregation, and, and we all kind of paused for a moment, and I said, well, I think you're right, Tanya. We do have our values, and they have been guiding us as we've been navigating just like uh, countless dis- hard challenges and decisions and things that we've gotten into over the many, many years that have come before us. You know, our values, what we value, what is important to us matters so much, and it really influences the way we live and we act in this world. I have a, a confession to make, and I'm not proud of it, but I think y'all should know. Um, I've watched a few seasons of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Has anyone else done this before? Now, when I say a few, when I say a few, I'm talking like maybe more than 10. I've seen quite a few of them. It's been a while, though. It's been a few years. Please forgive me. Um, as stupid as the show is, it's, it's pretty fascinating when you get down to it. Um, my conclusion is that they're all lying uh, or they're all just really, really confused. Because every one of them will say, you know, I've been searching for love for so long and I just haven't found it. So the best idea they could come up with is go on reality TV to try to find true love. When we know that almost every relationship ends up in tragic failure uh, from that show. Another thing that I always think is funny is they have these deep conversations, you know, and they're always trying to talk about the things they value and what's important to them. And every single one of them says, I just value family and hard work and kindness and love and commitment and all these things. And I'm like, really? Like, all y'all value family? All y'all value these things? Like, I just don't believe it. And then you watch the show and you see the way they act and you're like, There's no way that they value all the things that they say they do. You know, our values, the things that are important to us, that we hold dear to us, they affect the way we live and work and act in this world. And really what we value, the underlying values that we have, usually determine how we act in a given situation. In the past year I've been, I was part of a group and we were having some really just deep conflict and and I remember just being so confused, but then as I thought about it more and more, I realized that we, 
we just shared different values in this group. And we were never really going to be able to see eye to eye because our values didn't line up. And the things that I was valuing and the things they were valuing were not the same. Therefore, we just were button heads too many times. And I had to come to that conclusion. Our values truly do influence our action and the way we live in this world. You know, there's a group of people in our nation that call themselves values voters. And, and these folks claim that they vote based on their values. But the thing is, we're all values voters. We're just, we just value different things, right? And when we go and we cast our vote, we're voting for a candidate based on certain things that we value as important. Values influence our action. We all have values that guide the way we live our lives. And, and you may not have ever really thought about what your values are, but you have them. And, and your family does. And even organizations and institutions and churches have values, and they guide the way we live our lives. You know, you could probably visit a church on a Sunday morning and just go for one Sunday and just pay attention to what they're doing, what they say, the songs they sing, the announcements they give, look at their stuff in their bulletin. And, and you could probably, just by paying attention to what they're doing and saying, determine what some of their values are. At Embrace, uh, we realize that our values are important because that influences the way we do church. And so, as some of you know, uh, some, some churches... Uh, do things that greatly bless people and, and enrich their lives, but also churches have done a lot of things that have greatly harmed folks as well. A few years ago, uh, our leadership at Embrace, and, and this was over five years ago, we, we got together and we spent a few months reflecting on our values. And, and we started thinking about, like, what is it uh, that defines our church? Who are we? Like, what makes Embrace Embrace? By and large, a lot of churches share a lot of the same beliefs. They share a lot of the same convictions. But when you go into each individual church, uh, Rick Reams could tell you this because he visited like 50 churches in one year a few years back. Uh, he, he could probably tell you he went into, all these churches had a unique flavor, right? They all felt a little bit different. And, and we were trying to ask the question like, what makes Embrace uniquely Embrace? Because we are a unique church just like all the churches on our street have their own unique identity. What is important to us? What do we value? And so we spent some time reflecting on this. Um, one thing that we did is we got out the Bible and we looked at Bible stories and passages that have really been important to us. Things that keep coming up in sermons and conversations that we're having. We thought about words and phrases that accurately describe who we are. We thought about conversations that we're having with people and what they say they like about Embrace. We also thought about the values maybe we don't fully have right now, but we want to live into and we believe we need to have. And so we came up with six values that we believe uniquely describe our church. And we hope that our action and what we do and everything about us really flows from these values. Now keep in mind they don't cover everything um, about our identity, but these unique values I think really do uh, make embrace embrace, and I still feel them 100% um, even from, you know, five plus years ago when we came up with them. And so I want to share them with you. Um, some of you have heard these before. Some of you maybe haven't. So the first value is we keep Jesus at the center. We are comfortable with being uncomfortable. Amen. We keep it real. We are gritty Christ followers. 
We believe that church equals diverse family, and we are also neighborhood-focused. And so over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to break down these values and we're going to talk about them during our services on Sundays and Mondays. And so we've done this, like, I think two times in the past, but it's been quite a few years now. Um, the pandemic happened and all that. It was before that, I know. Um, I think it was back in 2018, which feels like a couple of lifetimes ago. Um, and so it's been a while, and so I think we might need a refresher. But then also, there's a lot of folks who have come since then, and we have a lot of folks who visited even during the pandemic online and are now here with us in person. And so we want to make sure that, that everybody kind of understands what these are because they're really important to us, and they really help uh, help me understand better and help me stay true in the way I lead and the way I think about Embrace because um, I want to stay true to these values and who we are. And we believe also that these values influence how we're going to be in this community and, and influence our action. And so this morning, we're going to start with the first value, which is the most important one. And, and really, I think everything else flows from this one. And it is that we keep Jesus at the center. I was watching this show the other night, and I watched an episode, and I didn't enjoy watching the episode, but Laura and I were watching this show called Reservation Dogs on Hulu, and it's a good show, but uh, this episode in particular was, like, really painful to watch, and, and it focused on the abuse that happened in these Native American boarding schools that were established in the United States many years back. And what happened is Native American children were stolen basically from their families and forced to live and learn in these boarding schools. And, and I've, I've studied a little bit about this. And in many ways, part of the goal was to try to fully like indoctrinate them into kind of the American way. And, and it was really just awful and abusive and oppressive what happened in these schools. And, and the thing that, that for me as a Christian is most disturbing to me is that these schools were often run by Christians, claiming Jesus as their Lord. And, and as I watched the show, it brought up a lot of other things, the, just things that I know about the history of our faith. And I just found myself uncomfortable during the show, but I was also feeling anger inside of me, reminding me of all the harm that has been done to others in Jesus' name. And over the past few years, I've been on a bit of a mission, and it's really to get back to the essence of our faith. Because the word Christian has been so distorted and manipulated and abused. It's a little confusing even to know what it means sometimes to call yourself a Christian, and some people don't even want to take that title anymore. To be a Christian fundamentally means to be a Christ one. And to be a Christ one really means to be a little Christ to be like Jesus. Yet so much of what we call Christian looks absolutely nothing like Jesus. And so I keep going back. I keep going back to the beginning, to the origins of our faith, to the place where all of this began. And it's in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And I'm really seeking what has been called a radical faith. And, and I don't mean the word Radical may be the way you think of it, but the word radical, the, the, the meaning of that word, it comes from um, this word really that means to the root. Radical is about the root. It is about the essence. It is about the origin, the beginning. 
And so I want to get back to the root of our faith, to the true meaning and spirit of our faith. And I believe we find the root of our faith in Jesus. Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he says these words about Jesus in Colossians. And I'm not sure if there's a, a more like grandiose way to talk about Jesus in the, in the Bible than these verses in Colossians, but I'll read them for you. He says the Son, when he says the Son, he's talking about Jesus. He says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. For He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Jesus, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. You know, the entire New Testament in the Bible, and when I'm talking about the New Testament, if you don't read the Bible very often, it's the, the latter part of it. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. begins with the four Gospels, which are written about the story of Jesus, and then you have a lot of letters that were written after that, trying to make sense of this person Jesus and what Jesus accomplished here on earth. In a sense, I think the New Testament, really, it's a response to the work of Jesus. The authors of the New Testament believed that Jesus changed everything, and they wrote the Gospels and these letters to try to make sense of how Jesus turned the world upside down. And so they spent many words trying to articulate and make sense of this Jesus person and how Jesus turned everything upside down. Verse 15 is perhaps, I think, one of the most important verses in the whole Bible to me. And it says that the Son, or Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. We cannot see God, right? But we have seen Jesus. He actually lived in this world, and He walked among us. He had a home. He had a family. He grew up into a young adult. And He lived, and He had friendships, and He modeled for us what God is really like. He actually lived. And so the way I read these verses is that if we want to know what God is like, then we look at Jesus. If we want to know what to be a human who is fully devoted to the will of God, we look at Jesus and we find it there. And so as we're navigating uncertain times in our world and there's so many different ways that being a Christian is talked about. Like It can be confusing to, to understand and know like the best path forward sometimes. As we're trying to be the best church we can be and the best people we can be, I think we need to keep Jesus at the center of all of it. And in my thinking, in matters of confusion, I think we ought to look to Jesus and ask, how does Jesus' example and teachings direct and guide us? And for me, that's the first place I'm going every time. 
Jesus' example and Jesus' teachings, how do they guide us in this moment? And how can we reimagine Jesus and his work in our time today? You know, a few years ago, I came across this concept. It was in a book about spiritual disciplines, but it's this idea of inward simplicity. And, you know, we, we have our lives are pretty complicated, right? There's a lot of competing demands. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot going on. we got a lot of relationships, and, and our lives can be very complicated. And inward simplicity is this idea of all the complexity of life being simplified um, and, and finding some kind of unity. And it mainly applies to individuals, but I believe it can speak to our congregation as well. In Psalm 86, David prays for an undivided heart. A heart that is fully devoted to God. And you can explain this in many ways, but I think this idea of inward simplicity is very helpful. And there's an ancient term called the single eye. And I don't know if y'all have heard of this before. But if you think about a single eye, a single eye expresses singular focus. And a single eye is focused solely on one thing. Soren Kierkegaard famously said that purity of heart is to will one thing. And so inward simplicity is this idea that the crazy complexity of our lives can come into unity into one thing. And I believe the one thing is Jesus. And you can't get much simpler than one thing. And I like simple things. And so if all of it can be simplified into Jesus, then that seems helpful to me. You know, churches can be complicated places pulled in a million different directions by a lot of different people. Um, churches can often tend to become really preference-oriented, where you have preferences, all the different people, and they think their preferences are the top thing that's most important, and you just try to cater to all this different stuff. Churches can be very complicated. We are complicated people that are pulled in many different directions by many different people. And you may feel scattered, you may feel divided. You may feel overwhelmed and anxious by your complex problem and demands. And I think the answer for us as individuals and as a church might be able to be found at just continuing to try to place Jesus at the center of our lives. As a church, we want always to let our actions and our decisions and our mission and all of it flow from our commitment to following in the way of Jesus. As people who are seeking to make sense of this complicated life, I think we can also do the same in our personal lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our friend groups. Seek to let our actions and our decisions and our purpose flow from our commitment to following the way of Jesus. I want to read this prayer from St. Patrick. And, and you all have probably heard it before, uh, but it's really powerful. And I think it really sums up uh, this idea of keeping Jesus at the center. And I'm going to close by reading this, and then we're going to refer back to this value many times as we go throughout this series. But let me read this as we close. Christ with me, Christ before me. Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me. Christ on my left. Christ on my right. Christ when I lie down. Christ when I sit down. Christ when I arise. Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every ear that sees me. 
or every eye that sees me, and Christ in every ear that hears me. You know, if we think of that idea of the divine center, this uh, single eye, this idea that, that Jesus is at the center of everything, then, then I do believe it can help us to bring together all the complexity of our lives if we truly seek to allow everything we do, everything we think, the way we live and work in this world to flow from that divine center. And so I encourage you all this week to ask yourself, as you go throughout your day-to-day life, ask, is this, is, is, is I, am I allowing kind of the way that I work and live in this world to flow from that divine center? And, and it takes that daily kind of commitment to placing Jesus back at the center because, you know, in our, in our world, we talk a lot about how we marginalize people and we push folks to the margins, and we do that over and over and over again. And I think we also, as Christians, can marginalize Jesus, where we push Jesus to the margin of our life and we say, hey, you're just a part of my life, and you're out here, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of draw upon you when I need you, Jesus. But what Jesus wants from us, I believe, is to be placed at the center, where everything we do flows from that. And and so I encourage you all this week to really think about how you can live into this prayer of St. Patrick. And and also, we're going to continue to think about as a church how we can continue to keep Jesus at the center of what we do.